the Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is brought to you by the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and this week, my guest is the lovely, talented, sexy, Rosie Bits. She's a burlesque performer, a singer, and an educator, and I caught up with her over Skype. She was at home in Victoria, BC. So Rosie, tell me about the first burlesque performance you remember seeing. Like, what was your first impression? Oh, wow. Um, I think the br- first live burlesque performance I ever saw, I actually did pick up for. So that means I was um, the stage kitten who was picking up the clothes of the girls who were performing. And it was Bettina May, who now lives in New York City, and another lady. And it was in Victoria Lucky Bar. And I was just stunned and riveted and felt completely like akin to what was happening. I was like, this is what I am meant to do. Wow. But so it was it was like an instant attraction for you. Absolutely. I had actually been like I'd been stalking burlesque performers. This is about 10 years ago. So it's kind of pre lots of stuff being on the internet. Um, and I'd been like looking at books and ordering books from different libraries and trying to find out as much as I could about burlesque. And then very, by chance, I met Bettina May, like just on a fluke and found out she was a burlesque performer. So by the time I got to a show, I was, yeah, I was already hooked in. And when I saw it for real, I was just like, yes, this is absolutely where I should be. This is what I should be doing. Wow. So how did you learn burlesque after that? (laughs) <laughs> trial and error <laughs> there was a bunch of us which um, became the cheesecake burlesque review and there's still a troupe that are, are strong and fantastic although I left them a long time ago and we were just all in the same place uh, as women and we just jumped in and it was it was I don't know if I would have done it if it wasn't for that troupe if it wasn't for that group of women because um, nobody else was doing it here. There was nobody really that close by or accessible. Like I said, you know, it was kind of, you know, internet was around, but not the way we use it these days. And being with a group of women just made it so much easier to jump in and to learn things as you go. So like we literally were learning on the stage as we were performing for people and figuring things out, like Velcro is not our friend, stuff like that. <laughs> were you dancers? <laughs> Um, some people were dancers, some people had no stage experience whatsoever, had never been on the stage. Um, I have a theater background, and I've got some dance, like I did some dance as a kid. Um, it was a real mishmash. There was a lot of women who were highly academic. Really? Yeah. And who just really wanted a creative outlet, a sexy creative outlet, so they could connect with their, with their inner diva and connect with their sexuality, because they were going to work in these like high-powered, very men's environments. Hmm. Okay, so this is interesting because I sometimes wonder, like, what you would say to people who argue that 
burlesque isn't, in fact, empowering to women because we live in patriarchy. So, like, really, you know, you can't say that it's an empowered choice for a woman when you live in a patriarchy. It's just kind of an internalized objectification of women. Like, but, you know, and that's getting pretty academic, but it's definitely an argument I've heard. Whereas the burlesque community is so much about uh, women's empowerment and the message often seems to be about, you know, this is a woman's choice and this is about reclaiming sexuality. How do you, how do you address that? And how did those women, I, I know you can't speak for them, but I'm just curious what your conversations about that might've been like. You know what? Okay. Back at that time with the cheesecakes, we didn't worry about it a lot, period. I worried about it personally. Not all the women in the cheesecakes at that time associated themselves as feminists, nor do they all these days associate themselves as fem feminists. Um, I do. And so for me, it was a big deal. And I really had to get clear on how that lined up with, with my value system as a feminist woman. And I'm asked this question all the time. And the short answer is um, a woman who has agency over her body, anytime you claim agency over your body, that is a feminist movement, mm -hmm. right? That is an extension of the feminist movement because we really and truly still in 2015 don't actually have full control over our bodies or the choices that we're making about our bodies. Um, you know, for example, when my shows get shut down from liquor boards, etc. cetera. Um, so when you, as a woman, you have agency over your body, that is right there is feminism. And, um, you know, anytime, whether it's a woman who claims to be a feminist, a man, or anybody else, is shutting down your choice about your body, that's deviating from the feminist movement. Hmm. What, what about the male gaze, though? So when you get off stage and you have all these people, potentially there's, you know, feminists, male and female, in the audience supporting you, but then you get off stage and there's some guy who's like, hey, baby, can I flick your nipple tassel kind of thing, you know? Like, what do you... How, I mean, I, I would imagine that you, you get the gamut. And so what's your response to that? We do get the gamut, but we get, I get less of those men at a burlesque show um, than you do on the street or just in a regular day-to-day -day interaction that I do at a burlesque show because there is a culture that surrounds burlesque performance that is very feminist, that is very female-oriented, where the majority of our audience members are female generally the mm -hmm. majority of our fans are female because mm -hmm. um, it's really about women reclaiming their sexuality uh, the difference as well is that the women who come on a burlesque stage are not aesthetically put together in a way that makes it easy um, for them to be objectified what do you mean by that you are looking at a whole woman you are looking at a woman who is anywhere between you know 19 and 85. That's true. I've seen a, a, yeah, a woman in her 80s perform an awesome performance in Vancouver. I was surprised at how uh, sexy and charming it was. Right? Yeah. And you are seeing women in like the full gamut of women. So you're seeing the tiniest, skinniest little women. You're seeing women who are augmented. You're seeing massive women. Um, you're seeing women who have obviously had children with stretch marks and cellulite. Like you are seeing the full gamut of women embracing themselves. And that is very different than, um, you know, a situation where women are really put together to look a certain way 
to make it easy for men to objectify them. Like I really believe I love strippers and I love strip clubs. I will support them up and down, but that is a different business where they hire women who look, who look in a, they look a certain way and they look each of them fairly similar to one another. And it makes it easy to objectify them. It makes it easy to see them as body parts as opposed to whole people. That's true. And I found that very, uh, heartwarming actually about uh, going to a, a, a few different burlesque festivals uh, that I've attended over the years, uh, you know, and the boylesque when men are up there. I mean, I just found that I was experiencing things I've never experienced before, like a really fulsome woman dancing and, you know, enjoying her jiggly bits. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I just found that like really, uh, inspiring and not just in the way that it's like wow she's really brave to do that because she's a large woman but also just like wow I could do that I could totally do that you know yeah. it was like wow her body is a high performance machine in fact I could not do that move that she's doing right now <laughs> you know like that it was just a, a wondrous kind of performance that I just found is so lacking in our culture that it was like very, very compelling. I wanted to see something original and I did just like it, performance after performance. And I have to say that for me, uh, then when somebody would come out looking quite, quite a lot, like say Adita Von Tees, you know, very kind of old Hollywood and that sort of thing, I started to feel a bit like, Meh, I've seen this before, <laughs> you know, I really like the variety and the diversity. So, you know, it's just personal preference and, you know, not everything is going to be to your taste, but yeah. I, I just love that element of surprise and originality that is, is something I don't think everyone expects from burlesque. So I want to ask you about the first time you performed then on your own, not in, in the review. Actually, no, tell me about the first time with the review. Um, the first time I performed with the Cheesecakes, I wouldn't do a solo number. I was too nervous. I was too shy and um, just really out of confidence, which anybody who knows me or fans of me will be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's the truth. I was really nervous. I didn't own a pair of high heels. I had to buy a pair of high heels for the show because I had... Um, you know, I was really immersed in mothering. I just trained as a doula, so I was thinking about, you know, potentially um, being a doula full-time. And I was, my whole life was around family and children. I taught parenting classes. I taught music to young children. So it was a big departure for me. And I absolutely, I felt two things simultaneously. I felt split open. Like, I felt like literally my chest had just split right open. Um, I felt vulnerable in a way that I had not experienced before. And I felt absolutely elated. So it was really, I was really on the line after that first performance as to whether I perform again, because mm -hmm. the level of vulnerability was frightening, was terrifying, mm -hmm. as you can imagine. Um, but the elation went out. Yeah. What about when, like, did you invite your family to come see? Like, how? what's that like? Um, I didn't at the beginning. I think it was three or four shows before my, I even allowed my husband to come. Mm-hmm, yeah. I needed to kind of do it by myself and um, kind of create this new culture for mm -hmm. myself before I felt comfortable. And it was hard for him at first. Those shows that I did without him, 
he was worried. He didn't really understand what burlesque was. He had never seen burlesque. Um, he was not super comfortable with the idea of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then when he saw the first show, he was like, oh, this is what you're doing? This is amazing. Yeah. So what was the difference, do you think, for him between burlesque and stripping? Because basically, you know, yes, you're not showing, uh, you know, you, at least where we live, your nipples are covered. You, you know, you, you don't see uh, really any body parts. It's just sort of very scantily clad. Yeah. But it's still taking your clothes off in a sexy way and, you know, enticing people and almost challenging, challenging them to look away. I mean, you know, so what do you think shifted for him? For him, it really was the audience. It was the fact that I wasn't performing to a bunch of men that were drunk, that he went, he didn't have to worry for my safety necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that's not, you know, I would, that's a completely actually different issue about safety, but um, it didn't feel as unsafe as having a wife who was working in a strip club. Mm-hmm. Right. He went into this, and there is, you know, a room filled with mostly women. Like at that time, I think we had like 85% of our audience was women, maybe even more. Mm. It's dropped down to about 65%. Mm. And people are like, it's a loving community who comes to these shows for the most part. And people, the thing that is different about burlesque than stripping when I explain the differences is um, we have different mandates within burlesque. Your mandate, first and foremost, is to entertain. And then secondarily, people will get titillated, right? That Mm -hmm. certainly happens. Sexual arousal happens. Titillation happens. But that's not the main focus of what you're doing. The main focus of what you're doing is to entertain. And um, within a regular uh, strip club environment, your main focus is sexual titillation for the purpose of making money. Mm -hmm right? Of having that person buy lap dances or more alcohol or like wherever you happen to be in the world stripping, you have a different kind of underlying way of making money through sexual titillation. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I think for my husband, the culture of people who come to a burlesque show where they're just so excited and they're women who are feeling empowered by watching performance. There's a very few men um, who are often kind of in this space of, oh my God, I get to watch this kind of sacred thing that's happening to these women and I'm just going to be quiet and, and sit quietly and be good <laughs> and nobody will kick me out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so true. I think that's a great point that I hadn't thought of before, that it's the audience that's the big difference. You know, of course, everything that you just said about mandate makes a lot of sense to me, but the feeling that I've had when I've seen strippers is completely different when I've uh, seen burlesque performance and I think being a part of a community uh, and the sense of belonging and support and uh, I really feel like the audience is cheering for these women you know it's just it's such a celebration I really feel like I'm pulling for them to perform their best and really enjoy themselves you know it's it really is psychologically and emotionally just a completely different experience that I've really enjoyed. So you teach workshops uh, to women and one is called How to Love Your Jiggly Bits. And I'm curious about uh, why that's so important to you. What made you decide to start teaching? I teach workshops to women and men. Oh. Yeah, the men get gentle, the gentlemanly art of boylesque. Mm. Um, 
And it's really important to me for all people, which is why I open it up to men as well, um, to come from a place of love with their bodies. I think we get, we get really disassociated from our bodies. We sort of live in this weird headspace or even just above our heads, just outside our bodies. And we often forget to connect with what's going on internally um, and physically. And we live in a culture that's so pervasive around body hate and body shame. Um, like so much so that I see people with very, you know, I have people who come to my classes and workshops who have, you know, stereotypically perfect bodies, like the, you know, the common ideal of beauty who are suffering greatly because they have an extra two pounds on them or there's some part where they couldn't lose all that, you know, that extra little bit of fat and they're, and they are in like emotional pain. And, you know, I feel like my first and foremost job before we get into the burlesque, the first place that, that I come to, the first thing that I do with them is I help them release old ideas about what their body should look like or act like, um, you know, old feelings of shame that they're holding on to around their body. And I get them into a place where we start to view our bodies as a best friend or as you would view a, a, a beloved child. We are alive encased in these shells that are quite beautiful and quite amazing. If we take a few minutes to think about the reality of what we're cased in, we start to experience awe as opposed to um, getting into that nitpicky thing of, well, this part isn't perfect and I don't like this part and now my body's aging or whatever, wherever we go to. So I try to bring them back to that place of awe. I kind of see it like, you know, little kids, like two or three years old, you know, you see them in the summertime and they rip off all the, their clothes in the summer and they run around naked and they just have this delight in the fact that they can move and they can stretch and they can, you know, run and jump and all of those things are so delighted. And I try to get people back into that space. Yeah. And it sounds very healing. It is. How would you say that burlesque is a part of you fulfilling your greatest purpose or potential in your life? It's stemmed out into so many different places in my life in the sense that I think I have some important healing work to do in the world around sexuality and some of the body stuff we talked about is part of that. Um, I think that um, I really have some work to do in moving women forward in the world around um, what we can do with our bodies, around having agency with our bodies, around sexuality, around what we're able to say. And I'm doing that through um, the plays that I'm writing, my one-woman show. Mm. Um, I noticed, too, I, I saw this on Facebook, actually. We're Facebook friends, and there was an incident with your uh, uh, daughter going to a school where the administration wanted to have a dress code because the, the clothing that some of the girls were wearing was distracting for uh, the male staff and you really took umbrage with that as did I and I found that the conversation on your thread was uh, e extremely uh, nuanced complex uh, there were many different sides uh, that that came out and sort of into this forum and that seemed like an obvious next step too was about uh, perhaps your work becoming mm, 
how would I put it, more mainstream, I guess, that, that you know, burlesque is part of a greater feminist movement. And, uh, and that even for girls who are 14, we, we can't allow them to bear responsibility for how the opposite sex is responding to their sexuality. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that seemed like a really... I, I, that seemed like a really important conversation that I really appreciated you sharing. Yeah, it was a really, it was really interesting. And actually, one of the people who was a huge advocate within that conversation um, for the young women it has ended up being um, on the the board of trustees for School District sixty one. She actually went in and investigated this further and has run like ran for you know, to be on the board and all this sort of stuff because of that conversation. Wow. See? Yeah. A woman in leadership now. Well I, done, Rosie. It was amazing. I was so excited and so inspired by what she was saying. And um, every time I couldn't deal with the comments, because some of the comments were pretty ugly. Yeah. Um, she would jump in or another, you know, another person I knew would jump in and they just have these beautiful and intelligent ways of dealing with the, the conversation, which was amazing. That's so great. Now, I'm wondering what you would say to a woman <clears throat> like myself who has thought, I would really like to do that one day, but has never had the courage to move forward. What's your advice you'd give to somebody who is considering, you know, burlesque or maybe some other art form that they've never done before? Do it. Life is short. Um, what I tell people in town is come to my class. It's a gentle and kind way of getting involved. Um, we do a lot of work. We go through the gamut of really getting to a space of creating transformation around your feelings about your body, you know, really connecting with your sexuality. And then after that, we start to do all the fun, learning the basics of burlesque and getting into like, fun, girly, slumber party type of classes. <laughs> it's just ridiculous and fun and amazing. Um, and yeah, I encourage women and I encourage people to go and claim your passion because life is so short and so precious. There is no time to waste. So if this is what you want to do or if you think you want to just explore this area, grab it. Yeah, very cool. Okay, Rosie, the last question on the Numinous podcast comes from the Proust questionnaire. It's our traditional last question. What do you consider perfect happiness? Mm, perfect happiness. Having everyone in my family be healthy and well and content within their lives um, and feeling, for me, creatively fulfilled being able to have the balance of, of everything that I do as a, a wife and a mother and a daughter, um, you know, a mentor in my community and a creative person, having a balance of all of that settled beautifully. That would be perfect happiness. It sounds beautiful. And I really appreciate your mentorship in our community. And I thank you for the encouragement you're offering women. Thanks for being on the show today. Oh, thanks, Carmen. woman. Am I right? If you've never seen a burlesque performance, I hope this inspires you to do so because she's whip smart, isn't she? And I really appreciate having such a yeah, broad perspective on that style of artistic expression. 
I want to thank Rosie for being on the show and thank you so much for listening. If you appreciated the show, I'd really love your review on iTunes. It's because it helps people find us when they're searching for like-minded and like-hearted people just like you. And you know what? You never know who needs to hear it right now. So please share this episode far and wide. I would also like to thank the listeners in Austria. I see you downloading every week and I find this absolutely mind boggling. Thank you so much for spending time with me. And if you'd like to keep exploring the great mystery of life with me, just go to my website, carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. That's where you'll find the show notes for today's episode and the link to Rosie's website, which is bestbits.com, B-E-S-T-B-I-T-T-S.com. And if you'd like to keep exploring even beyond that, sign up for my monthly email newsletter. You'll instantly receive a free meditation download and you'll get something free from me almost every month. Until next time, take care.